Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C and I'm a recovered compulsive eater from the Boston area. Today is Thursday, December 26th and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We're in the chapter Into Action on page 78 and we're on the third paragraph which begins with Perhaps we have committed. Today's readers are Phyllis D. for the 12 Steps, Nadia B. for the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Erin I., Lauren N., and Nadia B. The newcomer greeter will be Elena A.M., and the host for the second hour is Jody E. The reference numbers for yesterday, which was December 25th, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 13,872, 13872. And the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday was 13,874, 13874. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who share who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states every group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm going to ask Phyllis D. to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Phyllis. Phyllis D., we can't hear you. Good morning. Good morning. I was just getting in the car to drive home, and I couldn't find my phone. <laughs> so here we go. Um, just one second. got to find my flashlight. It's just an interesting day, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Oh, what page? Here it is. Okay. Thank you, everybody. My name is Phyllis D. from Central Illinois on the way home. And um, I'm going to read the 12 steps. Thank you. One, we were admitted, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God 
as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will and the power to carry that out. And number twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service this month, and I pass. Thank you, Phyllis D. And now Nadia B. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nadia B., gratefully recovered in Connecticut. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or way as a whole. Five, each group has but, by, <clears throat> but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an OA group are never endorsed, financed, or lends the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group are to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service um, centers may employ special forces. Nine, OA as such as never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name are never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all the traditions ever in mind that being asked to place principles before personality. Yeah. Thank you, Nadia B. And now here's how our meeting works. We focus on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what we read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. 
Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 78, the last paragraph that begins with, perhaps we have committed. And now I will ask our reader, Erin I, to start us off this morning. Good morning, Erin. Good morning. This is Erin I from upstate New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. And here's the paragraph. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense, which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we are divorced and have remarried but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble, too. So um, I'm going to share on this paragraph, and here we are at step nine where we're making amends for um, the harm that we have done to other people. And in my experience, um, I did have a very serious amends that I thought I could never make, that I thought I could never tell anyone um, and it was that when I, you know, 10 years ago, when I was in college, I was working for a family business on the side. And, you know, this family business was doing the line of work that I wanted to go into. And I, I, I stole a piece of their equipment that we used a lot. And um, I, I took it home. I wanted to play with it on the weekend, get more experience with using it. I never brought it back, um, even though I continued working with them for a short time. And, and I kept it for 10 years, and I, I stopped working with them when I graduated from college, but um, I still had this. It was a projector, and I still had it, and um, I, I didn't know how I would ever go about telling a family business that had been so good to me all, that, all those years ago that I had stolen something. And, I mean, technically that's a criminal offense. If they wanted to, they could have, I could have gotten in trouble with the law, um, and more importantly, this piece of equipment was pretty obsolete after 10 years, and I was afraid of um, having to replace it. I wasn't in a position to pay for it. Um, but most, most importantly, it was the personal part of, of approaching someone who had been so good to me and telling them that I had stolen from them. So when I shared this with my sponsor, that was already a first big step. And the, the next paragraph that we'll read tomorrow talks about being able to go to any length. We decided to go to any length to find a spiritual experience. And we asked that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing. So that's what I did. You know, and my sponsor encouraged me, first, just look up and see if the phone number is still the same. You know, and then next, maybe look and see a, a time that you'd be able to go and visit. It was um, a few hours away, so I'd have to take a day trip. So I found the time in my schedule. I found the phone number. 
eventually I made a phone call. It was, it was kind of like just every week I just did another little step. And in the meantime, I was praying for the willingness. And eventually it all came together and I went down there. And as soon as I arrived in town, I had to call my sponsor and, um, you know, and then I went and visited the person and then I called my sponsor again after, and it ended up being a beautiful experience. They weren't angry at me at all. And they said, oh, well, it's good to have it back. Maybe we'll use it. And mostly I got to reconnect with this family that, that was so good to me 10 years ago, and they were still super friendly, and I had a great time visiting with them. And I had missed out on that relationship all those years. Um, and, and the most, most important thing is that it proved to me that I was willing to go to any length for my recovery. And that made things, other scary actions in program, easier to do, things like sponsoring when I was afraid or sharing on the meeting when I really didn't want to. Um, so, um, or, or even just staying abstinent when things get hard, I just remember I was willing to go to any length and I did some actions that I thought I never could do. Um, and, and that proves it to me and, and to my higher power that, that I'm, I'm in this, I'm in this for good. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Erin I. All right, so um, all those who would like to share on this paragraph, please just give me your name once. You just your first name and initial. Sorry. I'm not. Hold on just a minute. Um, Just know that I'm going to do my best to hear everybody. So I did hear Charles, and that's all. Who else did did, um, spoke up? Who else would Naomi. like to share? Who was that? Naomi. Naomi. Thanks, Penny. Lynn S. Lynn Janet S. E. Who, who was that, E? Janet E. Oh, Janet. Good morning, Janet. Okay. Morning. Who else? Sandy S. Sandy. Is it S or F? S is in Sandy. Thank you. Vasa O and Vasa. Okay, that's that's uh, the first lineup. So here's who I have: Charles H, Naomi B, Lynn S, Janet E, Sandy S, and Vasa O. So we're going to start with you, Charles. Good morning. Charles, we can't hear morning, you. Penny. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I did that on purpose so you couldn't hear me. <laughs> Good morning, Penny. <laughs> Thank You're you for a your service, Charles. <laughs> Charles H. Because uh, I, I wanted, I wanted, this, I wanted to use this opportunity to say, "Can you hear me now?" I'm just joking. We're not glum. It's, we 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 feel good anyway. So criminal offenses. Uh, yeah, been, done that, done that, done that. You know, um, not proud of it, but I use it as a, a platform. But the biggest criminal offense, you know, for me, um, and I was thinking, I was thinking of OA World Service when that that you know that beautiful lady from Korea spoke, and how she carried a message in Korea. And there's a lady in Boston that carries a message to the Spanish people. Well, here there's Charles, African American, that have not used the platform to carry their message to my people. And when I say my people, everybody's my people, but I'm talking about uh, people of color in this context. I have not used my platform 
to form syndicates of brothers and sisters. I have sat back and watched uh, my people die. And I have had a platform and a voice to be able to carry that platform, to be able to carry that message. You know, in New York, in Harlem, in the Bronx, uptown, Brooklyn, they're dying. They're dying. They're scared. They feel oppressed. They're like, oh, you're going to take this away from me? You done took everything away from me. You're going to take food away from me now? They're dying in their 40s, 50s, and I have committed a criminal offense in not using my platform to carry the message in my community. I'm here to tell you that 2020 vision is starting right now. I made a decision that I'm you. I'm going to face-to-face meetings in my community. I'm carrying a message. I'm telling people it's all right. I'm sponsoring black sisters and black brothers because I'm watching them die, and that's a criminal offense. So 2020 vision, I'm making my decision to be a voice, to be like my sister in Korea, to be like my sister in Boston that's carrying a message to her people. Less than 1% is in Overeaters Anonymous. And uh, that's no good. That's a criminal offense. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Naomi B., it's your turn. Oh, thanks, Penny. Good morning, family. Good morning. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Well, this paragraph really resonates with me. I think back to, oh, my goodness. Okay, before my husband and I got married, and um, I worked for a... um, a chain of drugstores, yeah, drugstores, and um, it was really crazy. I think back to what I did because everybody else did it. I thought that was acceptable that I can do it, where I would have like maybe 20, <clears throat> excuse me, 20 or 30 pieces of merchandise and the cashier would ring up maybe five, or I would steal sleeves of film. Yeah, we had film back in the day for cameras. And it was like, everybody else is doing it. Sure, why not? And I became, then I came in a program, and it was like, and read this paragraph, thought, oh, this is not good. And to make amends, that chain is not in existence any longer. Other chains have replaced it since. So what I did to make amends for that, um, rather than going back into the store, I made sure that I donated I donated um, either coats for children or book bags for children or just donated to food banks or things like that, not out of my excess but out of what I had. So it would make a dent in my life, and I did. And thank you, God, I still do to this day donate stuff. And it's a wonderful way of of paying back. And it's like we're not guilt-free. I know I did many crazy things, not only with stealing of that of, of, as a teenager going into stores. and Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. I've, I've paid back, and I continue to pay back out of what I have, not of excess. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. And now the next one to share is Lynn S., and she's going to be followed by Janet E. Good morning, Lynn S. Good morning. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. This line, padding the expense account, and it says maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. It wasn't a petty offense to me. 
this was huge because I was stealing from this wonderful company and especially from the the owner and president of the company, John, who supported my recovery so amazingly uh, well, so amazingly interested this man. Every week he'd ask me about the meeting. Every week he would want to know about program and and not you know the kind where we blab our head off and and then they're questioning well surely you can eat just one cookie not that way i wouldn't get into that because what's the point nobody gets it but talking about the the support that i got here and he could see how it was working for me because this wonderful man and his company had allowed me to go for two years to take a month off and to go to these fat farms because they would they couldn't believe it they saw me come for the job interview and I was on one of my uh you know I just dropped 140 pounds so I show up in this lovely dress and don't I look great and they're watching me work for them and gaining 140 pounds and then you know sending me off to fat farms anyway the point is Lynn I'm getting distracted the point is I, this was not a petty offense, I was betraying this incredible man year after year because I traveled for work, and when I traveled, I just bought myself whatever I wanted. So I remember making this amends, and I figured out that I owed them about $1,500. And I had gone to his house, and he wasn't there, so I left a letter and a check in the mailbox because I had to do it right then, you know, when you've got the, the nerve to do it. And I remember him phoning me back, and saying, Lynn, you know, this took a lot of courage. I am so impressed. I've never seen anybody do this. And I was kind of hoping he would give the money back to me, saying, oh, it's okay. And he said, I thought about giving you the check back, and my heart rose. And he said, but my wife said, no, this is part of her recovery, so we're donating it to the church. But the most significant thing in this whole thing was I needed him to know that I had not stolen from him or padded my expense account since I was in program because program had saved my life. I couldn't have him think bad of Overeaters Anonymous and this 12-step program that was divinely inspired. He needed to understand that once I came into program, I never did this again. And it was it was so amazing. We ended up going out for lunch, and I explained it to him. And he even said, you know, I have two other partners, and I wondered if I needed to involve them because it was this money, too. Their money Lynn, too. that's time. Just finish Thank your, you. finish your thought. You. Yes, I will. Thank you. So wrapping up, he, I didn't have to go to anybody else. I am just so grateful that I was able to make amends to this wonderful man. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S., and now Janet E., and she'll be followed by Sandy S. Hi, everybody. Janet E., grateful to be recovered in Ecuador today. Penny, thanks for moderating. Um, yeah, wow. Okay, so I um, I stole from my company, and it took me a long time to get really honest about that. Um, and I was in a, a management position for years and was in charge of, had a, had a big, fat company budget and was able to buy company promotional materials with, you know, our logo on it and all kinds of gear and t-shirts and hats and 
stuff. And, you know, I would just take those things. I took them home. I gave them away as gifts for presents for Christmas. We had an entire room in our company, which was just filled with promotional materials to give to clients. That was the purpose. And I would go in there thinking, oh, I'm going to do a little Christmas shopping. I just pick things, take them home, wrap them up, and give them to my family. Like that was okay. And, um, and yeah, there was a bit of a culture of everyone sort of doing that, but that's irrelevant. I stole from my company. And so a month ago, I was making my amends, again, coming through the steps again. I uh, was willing. It just hit me. I couldn't not think about it anymore. I couldn't not know this anymore. And it was just knocking at my brain. And I just knew I, did, I, knew I had to make amends. So I did. And I made a big donation to the, the nonprofit that the company has supported for years and um, sent a, an email, in my case, an email to the president of the company. Um, and interestingly enough, they haven't responded, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. I did my part. I showed up honestly and was willing. And maybe they will respond. I don't know. But I feel clean on my side of the street. And I also have a DWI on my record forever. That's never going away. It's part of my story. I drank, I drove, I did all kinds of insane things um, as an extension of this disease. And, um, you know, I had to reveal that to my company when I was given a promotion that was going to have me going into Canada a lot. And Canada can and does deny entry for um, felonies and misdemeanors and can run my record, could have run my record at any time seen the DWI and denied me entry. Um, but over a period of 10 years, that never happened. And, uh, you know, it's just something I have to live with as and be responsible for now. So what are my amends on that? I don't drink. And I show up differently today and I don't steal. And I don't take things that aren't mine. So, you know what, this is the stuff I got to clean up. This is what I signed up for when I decided at step three that I was going to hitch my wagon to this thing called the 12 step and ride through the steps and, and get some recovery and that's what's happened so really grateful to be online today thanks everyone and i passed thank you janet e and sandy s is next and she'll be followed by vasa o good morning sandy good morning penny i just love the shares they're so like just practical, you know, not theoretical. I'm going to share something very practical. Uh, God, it's so embarrassing. Uh, It was hard to do this amends. About four years ago, I backed into somebody's car and I knew where it was and I just left the scene. And then I called them up. I mean, first I had to get their address and figure out how the telephone number and um, I, I did actually go up to their house. No one was home. So then what I did was I left a note with my number because I figured I just can't keep going up to their house. And the person, you know, called me back and told me like, yes, you know, that was a criminal offense. You left the scene of an accident. She says, I could report you to the police. I thought, ay, ay, ay. It, it was, it was a small, I mean, I was just backing up a little. I knew it wasn't huge. And anyway, I asked her what she needed to do to repair this from four years ago. I think it was like $750 or something, or maybe $350. I'm not sure what the amount was, but I remember thinking like, I know it was just a little dent, you know, but anyway, I paid it. Um, I listened to her. I 
you know, was grateful she didn't uh, call the police. I mean, and she was very happy about it. And um, I didn't have a great feeling about it, but the feeling I did have was like, oh, this is over. I never have to think about it again because it always would nag me at the back of my mind. So it was a tremendous relief. And I just want to share my living amends, which I have not been doing, is to drive more carefully. I really have a major problem with driving. And I re- yesterday I had a dream. I was driving and all of a sudden I became blind. I mean, and I, I just didn't know what to do. So I think, you know, the message for me with all these amends is uh, I can avoid another criminal offense of I don't drive while intoxicated. I drive while distracted. And I really need to be open to God's direction in this area. So I just want to put that out there that I want to avoid any more criminal offenses and drive more carefully. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy S. And Vasa O, your turn to share. Penny, Vasa, can you hear me? Sure can. Thank you. Thank you for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And yes, I remember going for the first time in step nine. It was just so embarrassing. But I needed to go to any length to for my for my sobriety from my, you know, to not to go back to the food addiction. But I remember it was embarrassing. But I, as I said, we have to go to any length. And to admit, yes, I did stole money from my father's piggy bank to go and buy candy in the whole country because that was not available that much. So it was, I, I did that. Uh, I remember I, go, I went to a store and I bought a, it was a crystal bell. I don't think it was really, really crystal, but I wanted it, and I brought it home, and I dropped it, and it broke. And I was too embarrassed. I was still very new in the recovery. I was embarrassed to go to the store and tell them what really happened. So I just took it, put it back in the box, and I just left it there in the shelf. And uh, that's how I was dealing those days. And I remember going to a jewelry store. See, I was not in uh, that was I was not in recovery when I did all this stuff. I remember going to a jewelry store with my little daughter, and uh, we're just looking around. I didn't buy anything. And when we went to the car, my daughter had walked out with a necklace. It was a gold necklace. It was like a child necklace. It wasn't very, very expensive, but it does not matter. I should have gone back and give it to them and be honest about it, what had happened. But instead, I justified. I remember saying, well, I didn't steal it. It just happened. My daughter, you know, I didn't, I didn't steal it. My daughter took it. So I never took it back. So I remember going at times like, to the, I, I know my time's coming up. Uh, going to clothing store, I didn't have much clothes, and I would buy the outfit and I'd wear it, and I'd put the tags back and I would bring it back. I mean, these are things I could have. If I did it today, I'd be arrested. I've been giving money to, today. What I do, I give money to a different organization, 
and I do living amends. I'm honest what I do today. And when I went back to take the necklace, the store was not there, and then I gave it to this poor family when I went to the old country. It was embarrassing. That's my time. That's my clock. And But I'm so grateful. I have learned my lessons. I don't do that, and I have clean conscience today. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And just a reminder for people who may not have um, been here at the beginning, we're on page 78, the third paragraph that begins with perhaps we have committed. And I'm ready to take another group of people who'd like to share. Russ M. Russ. Nancy L. Who, who L? Nancy L. Nancy L. Christina L. Christina L. Anyone else? Rachel K. Rachel K. Okay. Anybody that's... uh, not sure if you want to share or not, and uh, you want to have the courage to do that. It's um, it's a good experience. Okay, we're going to go with those four: Russ M, Nancy L, Christina L, and Rachel K. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, Penny. Russ M, recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So coming in the program, you know, getting like the 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 four. What would you say that the, you know the, the skeleton version of what we were doing? I'm thinking like, yeah, go through the steps. That's cool. Well, thank God I wasn't a thief, right? Thank God I didn't steal. But as I worked the steps, I realized that I was pretty. I I could have been a scoundrel, right? You know, not only did I blow my business and steal from my business, by stealing from my business, I stole from my family, right? But the worst of all. The worst of all, that my kids, you know us Catholics, right? We're Catholic. I stole my kids' communion money, my older three. Now, I didn't clean it out, but I never replaced it. And I'm, I'll do it now. You know, I, I try to, I've made amends to them for it. But that, like, that was like, you are so low. Like, you are a manipulative, dirty bastard to do that. You know, they had no idea I ripped them off. Now they do. <laughs> and they're making up for it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we, I made amends. You know, I had to had to make that right. And, um, you know, it was just, it's humbling. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad I have to pay these people back. I'm glad I have, you know, I have one huge, one, one huge amends I'm making now. And I'm glad, and I'm glad it hurts a little bit. Because guess what? If it didn't hurt and it was easy, I'd be back in the food and I'd be trying to stick somebody for money. I'd be trying to manipulate somebody's finances. I'm glad it hurts. I don't want to go through this ever again. And I don't want to ever revert to that way of life again. Not just the food, but the chaos and confusion that I created for 40 years, so... That's all I got on that one. And uh, thank you for everybody for reaching out to me over the past couple week, past week or so. So have great holidays, everybody. Love you. 
Thank you, Rasem. And Nancy L., and you're going to be followed by Christina L. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, and thank you, Team Thursday. Uh, Nancy L. in Arizona recovered, thank God. Um, when I was 18, a million years ago, it seems like I had a bad night. <laughs> I got, uh, I had a uh, uh, citation for um, <clears throat> DUI, hit and run, open container in the car. And um, when I went to court, the judge said three months or $300. Nowadays, oh, it would have been so much more than that, but three months or $300. So no problem, right? I just uh, ran and my boyfriend said, I need $300. And he gave it to me and I paid my fine and went on happily ever after, I thought. Uh, oh, and by the way, I broke up with him right after the $300. And, you know, I've just let that go right up to this day. I have done nothing with that because I can't find him. I I can, you know, I can only remember his first name. And But just this, this last week since we've been reading this chapter, I know that I know that I am going to pay that $300. And I have it today. I can, and, and I don't know exactly where it's going to go, but God does, and he'll show me. And I know I'm going to feel, after all these years, I'm going to feel such relief when I can donate that to a worthy cause and um, thank God for his, uh, his redeeming power. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. And Christina L., you're next. Good morning. This is Christina L. Thanks for your service and for all the shares. Um, yeah, I did, you know, it's easy for me when I first came into this program and read the, these paragraphs. Well, I never had a petty, uh, an expense account and stuff. You know, I never did these things. You know, I took it so literally and everything. But, you know, the longer I've been in this program and the more I've um, gotten quiet with it and heard other people and stuff, you know, I've realized how I have done, how I have padded the expense account. And there were some things that I did, you know, that I knew right off the bat that were like criminal offenses, like when um, when I had mentioned a couple of days ago about, uh, you know, um, making an amends to my former boss and everything. When I found out my job was being eliminated, I wiped off all my files from my computer. I deleted everything. Um, and from what I heard from other people who were, you know, parishioners at that church because I worked for the church, um, you know, they had to call in the IT guy to have it all restored and everything. And I have no idea how much money it costs for them to to restore those files. But, um, you know, I, I offered when I made the amends to my former boss, um, you know, I, I told him I wanted to make it right and to pay back however much it costs to... Um, to restore the files and he didn't want anything he, he didn't want anything he he's like no he's like you don't need to do that so what I did was I um I made an anonymous donation to um that church and I got a cashier's check I mailed it I didn't put a return address on it and you know I just um asked um I think I asked my husband I don't remember who I asked but um asked someone if you know they thought that that was enough money and everything and you know, so that was what I did for that one. The other thing that I've done, um, you know, I took money from my husband and son. Um, 
and uh, to pay for my binge foods. I didn't use the credit card. I used cash and everything, and I was very manipulative and sneaky in the way that I got the money. I would buy things that were um, um, supposedly for Christmas or whatever or stuff that we needed, and then if I changed my mind, because I, I got a couple of addictions, um, I'd take it back and I'd keep the money for myself, you know, because they didn't know. And um, I'd use the, the grocery allowance that we had because we pay cash, and I'd use the gas money whenever I went through my own allowance. And then, you know, I pay, I pay that one back now. And when I run out of grocery money, I take from my allowance. That's how I pay back them for that because I have no idea how much money I took. I'm sure it was in the thousands, but I have no idea. Um, and then one of the little petty things is, you know, that um, – but I'm not so good about this. I'm I'm trying to be better with this a living amends with this one is um my time clock at work. You know, I know that if I punch in seven minutes after the time that I'm supposed to be there that I'm gonna get paid for being there at that certain time. And if I clock out, you know, the same way, trying to get that extra time in there, an extra fifteen minutes of time. Um, so I have to be very careful with that and watch my motives when I'm clocking out and make sure I'm not, you know, watching the clock and purposely trying to um, get an extra 15 minutes of time or whatever so that way I can get more money on my paycheck and stuff. And So I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for being in program today and being able to turn my life around and not do these things, um, you know, to be honest and, and, and clear and you know, sometimes, you know, other people are doing those things, like um, taking pens home from work and everything like that. But, you know, and I can easily fall into that, like, well, she's doing, so why can't I? Like, nope, nope, I'm not even going there. You know, I'm not I'm not doing that anymore. So um, just very grateful um, to have this new way of life and um, very grateful to be back on the meeting today, that's for sure. So, um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Christina L. Rachel K., are you there? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, sorry about that. Hi, this is Rachel K., uh, compulsive overeater in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, boy, this step, I was thinking, you know, wow, I haven't committed any criminal offenses, but I was thinking about how this step works prophylactically in my life today, uh, even after, by the grace of God, being abstinent for little over 19 years, um, that uh, I was, this is a couple of years ago, uh, I was in a shoe store, and uh, one of my feet is bigger than the other, and, and usually it doesn't, um, so yeah, we discover not only our character defects, but I guess our physical defects, and um, and usually it doesn't make that much of a difference when shopping for shoes, but I was at this one place, and it was, uh, it was making a difference, and I discovered, you know, what uh on the left foot you know one size uh fit and on the right foot uh, a half size smaller fit and i was thinking well i can't buy two and and i wanted to get two different pairs of shoes two different styles and i was like well i can't buy four boxes of shoes just to get a pair that uh you know that fits both feet for for two sizes and so you know i switched out the shoes got you know in in one box had two different sizes uh did the same for the other style and was walking up to the register here i am you know it was what 17 18 years of abstinence getting ready to 
to steal, basically, because unless they can find somebody else who has one foot bigger, half size bigger than the other, the opposite of mine, they're not going to be able to sell that that mismatched pair of shoes. And as I was getting up to the register, I I was thinking, okay, what if a sponsee of mine was would did this? What would I tell her? I tell her, no, you got to go back and and make amends. And that's how this step works prophylactically. Because I thought, oh man, I. I First of all, I don't I don't want to lose my abstinence over this, over this ridiculous pair of shoes. Second of all, you know, I I, I don't want to have to go back and make amends for this. So I went back and uh, I got, you know, and I bought two different, you know, I bought basically four boxes of shoes that day. Uh, it was a discount place. So, uh, you know, but it was still, it was not cheap. Uh, but I wanted these shoes just so I could get two pair of shoes that fit. Uh, and, uh, and I explained why I was buying two different sizes to the woman. And, uh, she said, Oh, well, you know, uh, thanks. Thanks for doing that. And, uh, and I walked out of there poor, but feeling like, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that, and that was certainly not my thought. That was God working in my life. That was these steps working in my life. Because, you know, my, my own brain is, is looking to get get over, you know, any way I can. It is only through the work in the 12 steps in this program and God and, and finding a relationship with God, you know, a power greater than me that can solve my problem, all my problems, that I was able to do that. Because uh, I am at my core dishonest, but it's only through through God that I'm able to be honest. So I forgot to time myself, but that's probably my time. So anyway, I'm grateful for this step in this meeting. Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you, Rachel Kay. And who else would like to share? I'm ready to take um, some more names. Rosie M. This is Larry Kay. Hi, Larry. Who was just before Larry? I didn't hear well. Rosie M. Kentucky. Matthew F. Matthew, last initial? F, as in Frank. Okay. Rita S. Okay, and I think we have time for one more to add to that list. Did you get Rosie M. Kentucky? Rosie M., I do. You're first on the list. Okay, thank you. I have Rosie, Larry, Matthew, and Rita. Anyone else? Okay, Rosie, why don't you start us off, and you'll be followed by Larry. Thanks, everybody. This is Rosie. Um, happy holidays, and thank you for this wonderful meeting. The thing that I most um, wanted to say is, since I've been in recovery of many years, the thing that I have to really be diligent about is how much work I'm doing at work and how many recovery calls people reach out to me need to make sure that I'm giving my employer the due diligence that is needed to feel as though they're getting what they need from me and I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing to be paid for and then still work on my recovery. But that keeps me really honest um, when I do that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Rosie M. And now we have Larry Kay. Good morning. Good morning, Penny. How are you? Good morning. Um, just, Thank you for your service. <laughs> you hanging in there? Dazzling. I'm dazzling. 
<laughs> you are dazzling. I've seen it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just the beautiful sharers. I just want to, uh, uh, you know, chime in a little bit, you know, the, um, you know, making amends, it's, it's not an easy process, you know, I, and I, it, 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 it makes me think of some of the people in history of this world, these wonderful, seemingly high integrity people, you know, um, we, we have some in our modern myths, you know, like uh, Oprah Winfrey, maybe you really admire, but even in, in history, Plato, Socrates, uh, you know, you think of some of the apostles, perhaps, St. Francis, all these people. Why do I think about these people? They all have one thing in common that I share with them. They were or they are sinners. Use whatever term you want. They're human beings. They're human beings. Some of them perhaps uh, have, have secrets like I, you know, I did and I still can at times. Uh, some of them were completely 100 transparent enlightened individuals, you know, that, but they were all human beings and all human beings are dishonest at times. All human beings feel a range of emotions. They want to be validated to a certain extent. They want to hide. They want to do all these things. And I, I, I just, in, in this process of making amends, I really want to remember that I am as much of a sinner an imperfect human being is any human being that walked the face of the earth. And they were not, no one gets out of this thing alive. We're all going to die. If you're a human being, you're going to die. You're all, you're all, as I am, I am a sinner. I am going to make mistakes. What I also believe is in transcendence. That in the, in the midst of my humanness, in the midst of my sinful nature, there is transcendence, when I, on a daily walk, I, da I try my best to have a daily walk with my higher power. This imperfect walk, but I continue to try my best to lean in and say, God, how, higher power, whatever you are, how would you have me be today? What would you have me feel and think? And how would you have me behave today? And what I keep coming back to is to be of service and to be willing to self-sacrifice for others. That's, that's what, what I try my best to do, however imperfect it is, the process is. So making amends, wrapping up, Penny, making amends is just part of an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement of my sinful nature and that I'm constantly striving to correct the wrongs that I do. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Matthew F., are you there? Good morning. Thank you, everyone, for your service. This is Matthew F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from northern New Mexico. Yeah, I was uh, basically a thief. I would steal things from people that I loved and from organizations that meant a lot to me. I would eat groceries while in the grocery store and not pay for them, basically cheat out the uh, self-checkout counter. I was a shoplifter because in my sick mind, if people didn't, if I didn't pay for things, it, it meant that it didn't it didn't happen. Nobody saw it. It's like that isolation and, and that, that insanity. So in my sick mind, in the disease, if I didn't pay for the food, I didn't eat the food, even though, of course, I did bring it home and either eat it in the car or shut the curtains of the house and just lock myself in the house and eat for the rest of the day and then, you know, make myself throw up and then 
how did I make myself feel better about binge eating on the food that I stole? Well, of course, I would eat some more and uh, do it all over again the next day. I would just, I would uh, burglarize my neighbor to get marijuana, which would start binge eating from um, just the illness. And uh, and it wasn't until I got into this program I I made amends and I. At the beginning, I took the easy way out because I did was I was too scared to confront the people that I stole from, and I decided, well, I'll make a donation to this organization, or I'll volunteer some of my time here or there, and um, I just couldn't get away from it in in uh, in my heart that what I what I did I couldn't meet these people uh, eye to eye in uh, the real world, and so. Sure enough, I, I lost my abstinence five times over ten months. Uh, I I was not my my soul was not clear of uh, what I had done, and uh, with the help of the sponsor and through going through the steps again and digging deeper, and uh, recognizing what I really needed to do, and with prayer and support of the fellowship here, I uh, did what I needed to do and. I talked to the people face to face who I stole from, and I was scared. But you know, halfway through my amends, uh, in five occasions, the five people that um, I ended up talking to, their face lit up and they smiled. And at the end of my you know one minute amends, I made it quick. <laughs> they told me that they honored me, they respected me, they loved me, and thanked me so much for having the courage and integrity to come forward and tell them what I had done. And my heart was just beaming with the power of God uh, at that moment. And now I feel uh, one day at a time very certain that uh, I'm protected from that kind of behavior. That, uh, And as I told them, uh, that I'm in, in a recovery program and this was part of my healing. And uh, I told them that I would do everything I could possibly do uh, to never do that kind of thing ever again. And that has stuck with me. And you know what? It hasn't happened. I go into the grocery store now and I can see the manager eye to eye and we kind of wink at each other and it feels good. And I can see my friends and colleagues uh, and know that um, I am walking day to day, you know, hand in hand with my higher power and feeling protected from the food. Uh, protected from these kind from these kinds of immoral behaviors, and so I can realize the promises now and in the afterlife. So, time. thank you all. Thank you all so much for letting me share. Have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Matthew F. And Rita S. I'm sorry, but we just have one minute. Can you do that for us? Did you want me to share? This is Rita S. And if you can do one minute, that would be very helpful. I want you to know that. Um, I'm grateful I recovered, but you know something? You still go into those character defects, and a lot of times when you bring things back or try to make amends, you re- you can help other people by seeing your honesty. And a recent thing happened to me at Walmart. I didn't, the self-checkout thing, I, the chicken didn't go through. I knew I didn't pay for it, and God came to me, and I said, well, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'm telling God what I'm going to do. And God said, no, go back to Walmart and make it right. I went back, and long story short, went to customer service. They couldn't believe that the guy came out, and he kept saying, is there anything you want can we do for you? 
I said, no, I just want to pay for this chicken. And he said, I just can't believe that you came back. You know how many people steal that go through the self-checkout? I said, I don't know about that, but I said, I can't live with it. So I'm a volunteer at the homeless shelter. Next thing, he brought the manager out. Everybody came out, and he said, can we do something? I said, well, I work at a homeless shelter volunteering. Walmart brought, I can't tell you how many blankets. It was a very cold night in Florida to the shelter, all because of my going back and telling them. And in the long run, he wouldn't even take the $10, but but I think you know, you touch a lot of lives when they see you do the right thing. So I'm grateful to God that he convicted me and I went back much. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. It sounds like a God story to me. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, and thank you for everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, December 26, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 13,878. And we're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Lauren N. do that for us, please? Hi, Penny. E, can you hear me? It's Lauren N. Yep, can hear you. Okay. Um, our book is meant to be... Sorry, I'm just pulling it up. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you can find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.